This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 17, Rock Your Resume. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Today's episode is jam-packed with information all about how to create a standout resume. So I have a special guest on today who I actually went to high school with. We were on our dance team together in high school. And then after we graduated, we kind of kept in touch here and there with different college events and things of that sort. We went to different colleges, but um, then we kind of grew apart. And then when I started coaching, I randomly put on my Facebook page one day that I was running a free challenge and I opened the opportunity up to my Facebook friends to come and join me if they wanted to try out one of my new courses, which is now the Life Lovers 21 Day Challenge course. And my friend Catherine jumped on it. And so from there, I ended up teaching her in that program. As I said, she was one of my beta testers for that program. And then she ended up going through my Become an Unstoppable Woman program and my Become Authentically Awesome program. She was in the first group of both of those or all of those programs. And so it was such a joy to reconnect with her in a very deep and meaningful way with coaching. She was already living an amazing life. She just was really interested in what I was doing and learning more and getting even better, which just shows that even if you have a great life, learning these techniques and strategies can make your life even better. And so from that, we've kept in contact and we see each other when we're in town. And um, it's just been so fun to work with her. And recently, I've had a lot of clients who need some resume help. A lot of times when people come to work with me, they're at a pivot or just a huge transition in their careers. And with that, they need to update their resume. And so the first person I thought of was Catherine. Catherine has hired, get this, over a thousand people in her career. She is a recruitment manager for a Fortune 50 company. And previously she worked for Disney and she helped do college recruiting for Walt Disney World. How amazing is that, right? So Catherine knows her stuff when it comes to seeing resumes. She's seen thousands upon thousands of resumes. And our interview today is incredible. 
you're going to walk away with so much information to allow your resume to be an authentic expression of who you are to allow you to stand out and confidently go after the jobs that you want to. This interview was so much fun to record with Catherine, just because I think we've known each other for so long and it's so comfortable to talk to her about these things. And she has such a passion for it and just is full of so much information. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Catherine today. I know that I did, and I hope you get a lot out of it. So without further ado, here's my interview with Catherine Underwood. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast today. I have told listeners all about you in the intro, and I can't wait to talk about rocking your resume today. Thanks. I'm excited to be here as well, and I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. Okay, so let's go first. I always want to know the why behind things. So Mm -hmm. why is it important to have a strong resume? Is it something that's still looked at? Is it still something that's important in the job market? Absolutely. So think of your resume as your professional foundation. So you might have things that complement your resume. Maybe you have a LinkedIn profile. You know, maybe you have a website where you showcase, um, you know, things like videos or photography or creative designs that you might be involved with. But we always go back to your resume is your professional foundation. And it's still the document that is used for that transaction between a recruiter and a potential candidate when you are searching for a job. So definitely having a resume is going to be important when you are in a job search or otherwise. I mean, oftentimes, you know, jobs kind of fall into your lap. Um, You talk to somebody who knows somebody who refers you to somebody. And those are the times when you want to make sure that you already have your resume prepared because things can move really, really fast in the recruiting world. And if you are being contacted by somebody and need to submit a resume within a day or two, that's not the time that you want to think, uh, I need to update my resume. You want to already have um, a really solid resume at that point. Yeah. So Catherine, how often would you recommend updating it? So I would say once or twice a year. Um, I always like to think about it either at the end of the year or the beginning of the year. Um, That's when a lot of people are kind of assessing their career. They're thinking about potentially changing jobs. Um, You know, at the end of the year, you can kind of reflect back on what you did and what were the accomplishments that you had that year? um, What were some of the successes in your role? Um, So it's always a good point, you know, maybe around um, the end of the year, sort of the new year to kind of dust it off and then always mid-year as well. So you've maybe hit some goals in your, in your job. Uh, There could be things that you want to make sure you've added to your resume at that point. So think of it as one to two times a year as a good uh, rule of thumb. Awesome. So what are the things that we should be putting on our resume? So I love this question. Um, I feel like recruiters get asked all the time, you know, how can my resume stand out or what should I be including? Um, You know, there's always this idea that resumes kind of go into these black holes and recruiters are never looking at resumes, which is not true. Uh, uh, Recruiters are constantly looking at resumes. And so a couple things that you can do to make sure that your resume is powerful and that it stands out. Um, You want to make sure that you are tailoring your resume always, always back to the job in which you are applying. So um, I will see, you know, candidates come through um, with their resumes and it's a really hard, there's a really hard, you know, time for me to make the connection with this candidate's experience and the job that I'm recruiting for. 
So if you are a job seeker, you are somebody that you know, is actively applying for jobs. It's your role to make the connection for the recruiter. Um, because if, if I'm a recruiter and I'm having to connect the dots and read between the lines and make assumptions of like, how does this resume fit this job? Then the truth of the matter is a recruiter is probably going to move on to another more competitive candidate. So you want to tailor your resume to the job in which you are applying. So how do we do that? In its most basic form, just take the job description, whether you do it on your computer or you print it and just get a highlighter. Take that job description and start highlighting the bullet points from that job description that are jumping out at you. Most job descriptions are going to have the most important job duties at the top. And then as you get further down the list, you know, generally those things are still important, but not as important as the first bulleted points of the job description. So just take your highlighter and start, you know, highlighting those key phrases, those key attributes that that job is looking for. And then quite simply, take your resume and start to incorporate some of those words or those attributes into your own personal resume. That is going to help the recruiter start to understand your story, understand your background experiences, and try to make the connection between your resume and your profile and the job and the requirements in which they're looking for um, to fill that role. So that's always step number one, is make your resume really powerful by connecting the job duties and what you see in the job posting, connecting that with what you have there on your resume. Um, second thing that I always recommend is you want to make sure that you add what I call the meat and the potatoes to your resume, which I know sounds kind of silly. Um, but if you think about it, you know, you don't want appetizers, you don't want dessert, you want the meat and the potatoes that are going to fill you up. And so when you're thinking about what your resume is going to contain, you know, the words that you're putting on your resume, you want to really make sure that you've got quantifiable bullet points and other um, parts of your resume that speak to what you did in that role and what was the impact that you had on that, you know, on that team or within that role. And so it's really important to be including numbers, be including metrics, be including results and outcomes in your bullet points. You know, if you think about a resume, typically it's one to two pages. It's not a lot of room to try to tell, you know, sometimes your whole story about who you are. And so if you have little room and you need to make a big impact, every single line item that you have on there, your bullet points are really going to matter. And so you wanna maximize them, you want to add numbers, and you really wanna show the impact that you had in the role, um, whether it's your current role or maybe it was a role that you had in the past. So those two things are, are what I generally start with, you know, tailoring your resume and then having a really impactful um, resume profile with quantifiable numbers in your bullet points. Wow, those are great tips. I feel like you could just leave the podcast right there <laughs> and, and get what you need out of that. But I have so many other questions, Catherine, okay? Well, and it's common sense. I mean, I yeah. feel like when I talk about resumes and I talk about this, a lot of people are like, uh, yeah, I get that. Like, look at the job posting and tailor it to your, your resume. And I know that it's common sense, but Lindsay, I tell you this because people don't do it. Um, you know, they're busy. Um, they don't have the time or the knowledge or the skills, you know, to sit down and do this. And 
So they submit a resume that maybe doesn't present their professional experience in the way that they'd like it to be presented. And so, you know, that has an impact on the recruiter who's reviewing your resume. And, you know, you want to be as competitive and you want to be the right fit candidate for that job. Okay, first question for you. Mm -hmm. So what if you've had a job where you don't really have the numbers of Mm -hmm. anything that you've created? So like if you're in sales, you can pull those numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What if it's just like a customer service job, an admin job? What can you pull there? So I have a challenge and say you can always pull something, right? So if I think about customer service, um, you know, let's say that you are working in like a retail capacity. So you can definitely say, you know, interacted with and engaged with customers. Now, was that two or was that 200 per day? I mean, that's a huge difference, right? And so you want to start to show the recruiter the impact that you had in that role. So think about if you don't have those quantifiable, you know, I increased revenues or I, you know, did this or that, you still did something. Your actions had meaning. They were you know, you were engaging with people, you were um, doing transactions on a cash register, you were doing something that you can put a number to it. And so I would always tell people to, you know, think through what your job duties were and what a typical day looked like, and then try to put some numbers around that. That was a great example right there of, Mm -hmm. was it two customers a day or 200? That Mm -hmm. would make a huge difference, right? If you're a recruiter, yeah. Wow, they're doing all these customers all day long. Mm -hmm. So really going back and saying, what can I find data wise that will make me look impressive. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Exactly. And this is the point in which I also want to remind people, you never want to lie (laughs) or over embellish on your resume, right? So we do find situations where people will flat out lie about degrees that they obtained. They will lie about places of employment. And so a lot of companies are doing background checks. They are, you know, confirming your education is accurate and true. And so when we find out that candidates have lied about that information, uh, generally we will pull that offer and we will rescind that offer because they have falsified their information. I remember one of the jobs I worked at, we did something, and Catherine, you probably remember it more, but um, something where we were able to track down their college degrees. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you guys do too? We do. So where I currently work, some of our jobs require a degree for that particular role. So we have to ensure that the degree that this candidate is stating that they have obtained is truly a degree that they've obtained. So we, you know, we work with folks who are verifying through the school systems and, you know, education, they're verifying that all of that is accurate and true. Yeah. So bottom line, don't lie. Don't lie. (laughs) Don't lie. (laughs) It's never good. Don't lie. (laughs) Don't lie. Okay, so let's go back to the resumes for, for an example. So mm-hmm. I know back in the day when I was applying for jobs a lot right out of college, especially, it was keep it to one page. Uh-huh. But I know with more experience, you can do one to two pages. What's your thoughts on that? Yes, I love this question too because I have seen 10-page resumes and that is definitely too long. Um, you know, it's really going to de- depend on your experience. I think if you have less than 10 years of professional work experience, one page is probably just fine. Um, if it needs to spill over into a second page, I think um, just be mindful of, of what that additional information, what value that additional information is going to contain. And there's going to be 
certain things over the years that probably need to naturally just fall off of your resume. So for example, if you have gone to, you know, pursue your associate's or bachelor's degree or higher, and you've obtained those degrees, then you probably want to remove your high school information. That's no longer, you know, necessary since you've done secondary um, education. Also some jobs that you might have had, um, whether you were in school or kind of earlier jobs in your career, we were talking about maybe it was, you know, in retail or kind of that customer service role. You know, as you gain more experience in your career, those are probably jobs, again, that are just going to naturally fall off your resume because you want to focus on other um, parts of your experience um, that maybe are a little bit more relevant. So I think, you know, if you're just coming out of school, um, if you've got, you know, zero to 10 years of experience, a one-page resume is going to be perfect. Um, for those folks that have more experiences, I think it's definitely fine to spill over into two pages. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Let's talk for a minute then about right out of college or mm -hmm. just entry-level kind mm -hmm. of years. Those, what would you consider, what, like first three, four years working-wise? Yeah, I mean, entry-level is probably those first, you know, two, three years um, in a role that you might be straight out of college. Maybe it's a, a role that, you know, you needed to pursue a degree for or, you know, it's that kind of job. So I consider okay. that entry-level. Okay. So with those, I remember that was the hardest time to do a resume because I didn't have that much experience <laughs> other than working at the restaurant and, you know, those yeah. customer service type jobs. So yeah. what can those people put on their resumes? Mm -hmm. So for individuals that have pursued school and now they are, you know, out of school, they They've got their degree and they're ready to hit the job market. You're right. You feel like, well, it's a catch-22. I don't have the experience to get the experience, but I need the experience to get the experience. I mean, it's just this cycle, right? Um, so what I always tell people is focus on what you've done in school. So what classes have you taken um, that were really meaningful to you? What major projects did you participate in? And you always want to make sure that you're talking about the work that you did individually. So if it was a group project, focus on the roles and the tasks that you had personally and focus less on like, as a team, we did this. Well, the recruiter is going to want to know what specifically did you do? What was your role on that team? So you can definitely focus on classes you took and projects that you, you know, participated in. But don't forget about some of those more well-rounded experiences as well. So you might have had a working um, experience while in college, and that shows, you know, great work ethic. It shows time management. So don't feel like you can't put some of those part-time jobs on there as well. Uh, but think about things that maybe you've done in your community. Um, were you in a leadership position within an organization there on campus? Did you lead an event? Um, did you fundraise while you were there? You know, think of those things. Maybe it wasn't, quote unquote, you know, a professional job, but you were learning professional skills and you can take those skills and you can translate them into that professional world and into those jobs that you were trying to apply for. Yeah, that's great advice. Okay. On that, next question I have, mm -hmm. what if you have a gap in your resume, as a lot of women do, because they mm -hmm. take some time off to have a child? How mm -hmm. do you encounter that? So this is where I think it's important to talk about the two different styles of resumes. So the first style of resume is called the chronological resume, and that typically is what I see most of the time, a chronological chronological resume, excuse me, is exactly what it sounds like. So you are going to list your work experiences, your education, your accomplishments in chronological order, starting from the most recent at the top. 
So I, I would guess that most people, most of your listeners probably do have a chronological resume. It's typically what is taught like in the school system, you know, our career center is going to teach a chronological uh, resume style. But there is a second style of resume called a functional resume. And a functional resume will focus on skill sets, on competencies, on accomplishments. And it's presented in a way that it's not focused on the job titles or the length of time that you were in a job. And it's more so focused around the skill sets that you have. So for women who have maybe been in the workforce, have left the workforce, and are ready to jump back into the workforce, I think a functional resume is a really good option for you because you're focused less on maybe that gap of employment. Um, you're focused less on, I was away from the workforce for a certain number of time or years, and you're more so focused on somebody's skill set, on the projects they were involved with on what they really bring to the table. And it doesn't really matter as much about, well, what job were you in and how long were you there? Because you're saying, I'm presenting my skills to you and I'm presenting what I can bring to the table, essentially. Yeah, so that's great. I do have a question though. So I know, and I hear this a lot of, before or when you're applying for a job and you're filling out through maybe the company's system mm -hmm. and they will ask for dates and some of those systems I know will just flush people out if there's a big gap or other things. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you say there, Catherine, to those people and, and with those systems? Mm -hmm. So again, be truthful and be honest. I mean, that's, that's the time to, you know, put the accurate dates in there. And, you know, if you feel like, oh my gosh, it's going to automatically, you know, take me out of consideration, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to connect with a recruiter or somebody at that company um, through LinkedIn or other networks that you might have. And maybe there's an opportunity for you to try and tell your story in a more personal way um, to try and get across to that recruiter you know, hey, yes, I do have this gap in my experience, but I'm ready to be in the workforce and here's the skill set that I bring and here's why I feel like my resume and my experience is a match for this role. So it's really hard to say. Our, our applicant tracking system at the place where I work doesn't do that. Um, we are looking at every single, um, you know, resume application that comes through. So I can't speak to kind of systems that other companies might use, but if you do feel like that is happening, then maybe there's a way to make a connection with somebody at that company and you can try to have a conversation um, over email or the phone or LinkedIn, whichever way you can get in touch with them. That's genius. <laughs> That's like a mic drop moment. Okay. So what would be the easiest way? You mentioned LinkedIn, but how could you figure out who could be recruiting for that job? It's a little bit trickier. I mean, to nail down the actual recruiter might be a little bit harder. Um, I think your best bet is to try to make a connection with somebody within that company. And so maybe it's not the person in HR, but generally people at the company, if you can kind of reach out to a, enough people, somebody's going to know somebody in HR that's going to know somebody in the recruiting department. So, um, you know, you can approach people professionally on LinkedIn and just explain to them, you know, I see that you work at X company. I'm interested in connecting with you. I recently applied for a job there. Do you know anybody in recruiting that you could connect me with? Um, you know, I'm really interested in this opportunity and here's the reason why. Um, you know, it's a simple way to kind of make an introduction to somebody. Yeah. Once again, it shows the power of networking, right? Exactly. Yes, ask this, Catherine. 
Mm -hmm. So in the entrepreneurial space, it's obviously a big deal for us to network, not only to find clients and all that stuff, but Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of build people who may help us market. Mm -hmm. But in the workforce, it's just as important to market, it sounds like, to Mm -hmm. kind of, in essence, maybe get ahead for job opportunities. So with that said, is it or do people really have an upper hand if someone is recommending them versus just going through a system? Gosh, that's a hard question. And honestly, I think it really truly is going to depend on the company and on, on that person. Right. And I hate to say that it depends, but um, it it really truly might depend. Um, You know, there is power in networking and there's power in knowing as a candidate what you're looking for and articulating that to somebody, whether it's a stranger or whether it's, you know, a close friend that you have at that company. So I just believe in the power of networking. And I think that if you do it in the right way and you approach people from a, you know, hey, I'm asking for your help or assistance and less from the angle of like, you need to do this for me or you need to get this for me kind of angle. If it's done in the right way, I feel like oftentimes people want to help other people. And so, you know, sometimes that can have an impact, that can open a door, that can open a conversation, and maybe it doesn't lead to exactly what you want at that point in time. But like you said, in the business world, sometimes those connections and those conversations that you have might pay off in the long run. So maybe it's six months later, or maybe it's a year later. You know, we hear that often where, Somebody wasn't a right fit for this role, but a year later, we're like, oh my gosh, we've got this great opportunity. I remember that one person. And so you have to just have that persistence and kind of that professional um, persistence that networking is going to pay off in the long run. Yeah, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me tell you something else I hear a lot, Catherine. Okay. And that is from women who have gone out, they apply for a lot of jobs, maybe they're in transition and some of them are still honestly... I would even consider it trauma almost of when they graduated college, like back 2006, 2007, and you remember the market thing crashed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then they're all still fearful when they're having to go out and find maybe a new job or Mm -hmm. or whatever. And they um, take it very personally when they don't get interviews. So what is kind of the norm for how many jobs should you apply for with your resume before you think, is it something wrong with my resume? Yeah. So a couple of different things here that I want to kind of touch on because I, I get asked a lot of times about the job qualifications. And I think a lot of um, early career professionals, I don't know if they're just doubting themselves or if they've just been conditioned, you know, to think this way, but I hear a lot of like, well, I'm not qualified for that job. So I'm just not even going to apply. And I always tell people to apply to the job. (laughs) Um, You never know what's going on behind the scenes. And so, you know, you could apply for that job and maybe they end up, you know, changing the requirements or, you know, lowering or, or bringing the position up to a different level. I mean, there's so many different things that can happen based on when you apply to a job. Or like I mentioned earlier, maybe you're not a fit for that job, but the recruiter who's reviewing your resume thinks, oh my gosh, this person would be a great fit for this job. It's not yet posted, but I know it's coming and I would love for them to, you know, explore that job. So I always, always, always tell people don't limit yourself in applying for jobs. Even if you think I'm not qualified, you should apply for the job anyways, because you never, ever know 
you know, what's going on in the back end. So always apply for the job. Um, and again, tailor your resume and try to make the connection for the recruiter as to why you're a good fit for that job. But if you are applying and applying and applying and applying and you are just not getting anywhere, I totally get that. And it's, it feels very defeating, right? I mean, we put a lot of emotion into our job and our work and our role. And there's a lot of, you know, feelings associated with that. You spend a lot of time, you know, at work and with these coworkers. And so when you feel like you have found that perfect job online, there's a lot of emotion connected to it. So I totally appreciate that. Um, but if you feel like something's not going right because I am applying and I'm just not getting anywhere, then I think first things first, taking a hard look at your resume and figuring out what is going on. Um, whether you're not tailoring it just right, or maybe you need, you know, a career coach or somebody to, to take a look at it, um, or even just somebody in your network. It can be a family member, it can be a friend, it can be kind of an acquaintance or a connection, just to ask somebody, hey, can you take a look at my resume? I'm just not getting any hits. I'm not getting any calls from recruiters. I'm getting no interviews. I don't know what's going on. Can you just take a look at my resume? And as a recruiter, I get that question a lot from family members and from friends. And of course, I love, you know, I love doing that. But um, it doesn't have to be a recruiter. It can be anybody in your network that you trust. And I always tell people, your resume is very personal. And so when you do ask for, you know, guidance or, you know, a review of your resume, kind of take people's, um, you know, opinions or people's suggestions with a grain of salt. Some things might work. Some things might feel really good to you, like, oh, wow, that was a good suggestion. I need to do that. Other things may not feel good to you. And so ultimately, your resume is a personal document, and it needs to feel authentic to you because it's how you are presented to the professional world. And so, you know, if people are helping you out with advice, just take it with a grain of salt. There might be some things that you want to, you know, change. There might be other things that you feel like, you know what, this feels true to me, and I don't want to change it. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. So with that said, Catherine, you know, I see all these different styles of resumes out there now, like on Fiverr, even you can go and have it all professionally designed. Some people have pictures. I even read an article oh <laughs> recently with like, they're turning into almost like a dating profile. It looks like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so tell me what should we have on there and what should we not? Now you mentioned the data and having uh-huh. that great data, but what are some other things that it's like, no way, absolutely keep those other things though. Okay, so I'm a firm believer that you should not have your picture on your, <laughs> on your resume. Um, I, don't, I mean, I know your picture is out on LinkedIn, and recruiters you know, are probably going to be seeing you on LinkedIn, but on your resume, I'm like, just leave it off. Leave off your picture. I've seen birthdays on there. I've seen marital status on there. I'm like, don't put any of that on your resume. We don't need to know that <laughs> right now. Um, so yeah, there's lots of resources out there. There are a lot of templates out there. Um, if you just Google resumes, I mean, my goodness, you will get a thousand images of you know people's resumes. And um, so a couple of things that come to mind. If you want to use a template, I think that's perfectly fine. It might be the point that you need to start. You know, if you don't have a document right now, you might want to start with a template. But just be careful because sometimes templates can feel a little. Um, you can tell that it's a template essentially, you know, you can tell that somebody was just typing in a box and and formulating this very structured resume. So if you're going to use a template, try to make it as personal as possible. Um, If people are cutting and pasting from other documents, or I've even seen people with appears that they 
cut and pasted from like an old job description and that's what they're using for their bulleted points. Um, just know that those things need to kind of, you need to look over them and, and really tailor them because a recruiter can spot, um, can spot that pretty easily. Um, the other thing is just be mindful of the font that you're using, the sizing, making sure it's all consistent and correct. And if you want to use colors, I mean, I've been seeing that here lately. Some people have added some color to their resume. Um, I think it's just knowing the audience and knowing the company that you're applying to. So if you're applying to kind of a fun, creative, um, you know, company culture that, you know, just seems like it would be appropriate, then definitely think about how can you add some color? Um, you know, how can you make your resume stand out with different, you know, bullet points or shapes or things like that? Um, I've seen that a lot for a lot of creative type of roles, graphic designer, obviously, um, you know, videographer, things like that. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I think are the basic do's and don'ts when it comes to your actual, you know, the actual document. Mm -hmm. um, if you are going to have multiple pages, so let's say that it does spill over to a second page, I always think it's helpful on your first page to say one of two, and then on your second page to say two of two. Because if your um, pages get separated, then they know um, that they belong together and you can put your name on the top of the second page as well. Yeah, those are smart. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of going through my head. Kevin, have you seen anything that's come through your door or your email box, whatever you want to call it, where mm -hmm. you're like, oh my goodness, people do not do that? Yeah. Um, sometimes people write like paragraphs, <laughs> plural, paragraphs plural of information. It's almost like they're writing a novel and really your resume should be a very high level summary of your work experiences because your resume is kind of your ticket to the phone conversation, which is then your ticket to most likely an interview. So if you, if you're kind of spilling your whole life story in your resume, it might be a little overwhelming. Um, so I, I've seen that sometimes. I mean, I literally have seen a 10 page resume and it was like a novel. I mean, they were just writing a story for every single one of their jobs. And again, a recruiter has very limited time. And if your resume is not competitive, they're going to move on to the next candidate. And so you want to be concise. You want to be results focused. You want to have details in there. You want to have it tailored. And so a recruiter is going to skim it and kind of look at some of those high level, even if you want to bold or underline a couple of your items that kind of draws your eye into those areas of your resume. Obviously put the most important parts towards the top of your resume um, because a recruiter is going to start at the top and kind of make their way down to the bottom. And you want to make sure they make it all the way down to the bottom and you kind of keep their interest. Um, so don't put the most important things way down the bottom. They may not make it that far. But um, those are kind of some of the foundational concepts that come to mind when I think about just the structure of a resume. Yeah. I love that tip too of keeping their interest. I mean, and that's kind of the honest truth. And I know that it's hard to hear because people spend a lot of time on these documents. They spend a lot of time applying. But right now, I mean, it's so competitive in the job market and a recruiter has limited time. And so they might be scanning your resume for, you know, 20, 30 seconds. And they're trying to determine, is this somebody that I want to continue, you know, looking at the resume and continue to speak with, or is it somebody that's not a fit right now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Catherine, there's something I want to go back to that we talked about a bit ago, and that was applying for jobs mm -hmm. just to apply. 
right? Mm -hmm. So I saw a stat and I'll put it in the show notes. I don't remember where it comes from, but something along the lines of women are only applying for jobs when they feel like they have a hundred percent of the qualifications Mm -hmm. where men are applying when they have around 70%. Yeah. Have you heard that stat too? I've heard something similar and, and I agree. And that's why I mentioned earlier, you know, when I talk to especially women, you know, a lot of times it's like, well, I just don't think I, you know, I just don't think I qualify for that. Or, you know, I don't have this one, you know, really particular skill set that they mentioned. You have all these other ones, but I don't have this one in the job posting. And so I just want to, you know, just shake them and say, just apply anyways. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what that recruiter and hiring manager on the back end are going to see in your resume, what they're going to like in your resume. And so there really is no harm and very low risk to applying for a job that maybe you think you're not qualified for. I mean, the worst that can happen is that you're going to say, okay, I got a rejection letter and I'm not, I'm not being considered for that role. Um, that's the worst. And so, you know, there's little risk and just going ahead and submitting your resume, whether you yeah. think you know, you're a good fit or not, you're never going to know unless you apply. So you might as well just do it. Yeah. And I've, from what I've heard with women that I've spoken to with clients and such, mm-hmm. it just, they get so worried about that rejection. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I just want to put in there. That means you've got some self-work to do and some right. self-love to do because it's not personal, right, Catherine? Oh, yeah. No, it's I mean, business. It's business, right. I mean, every company out there is trying to find the most talented individual for the role in which they are hiring. And so, you know, they are looking for that right fit candidate. And, you know, if you weren't selected for that role, um, you weren't the right fit for that role. And so when you're applying for these jobs, I mean, you want to feel like, you know, I'm confident in my abilities. I know that this is the right fit for me, but um, ultimately it may not be. And that's okay because that probably means that there's something else on the horizon that's going to be a better fit for you. Yeah. And that's where you have to trust the universe. Something exactly. better is coming, right? <laughs> okay, Catherine, I want to wrap it up. Okay. Last question I have for you. Okay. Is, I think is what are some of the best resumes you've seen in wine? I know you've touched on those points, but just kind of recap it for us of, mm-hmm. man, this is a great resume. Yeah. So in my mind, the best resumes are going to be tailored to the job description when the recruiter is reviewing that resume, it's just clicking. It's just connecting like, uh-huh, uh-huh. They got that. Okay. They got that. Uh-huh. 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 They're just going through and it feels so natural. Um, because what you've done is you've taken the job posting and you've worked that into your resume. So the best resumes are going to be those that are tailored, those that have powerful statements around the role that they did, quantifiable numbers, they are going to show results and the impact that you had in that role for whatever, you know, job that you were doing. And it's going to be concise. So you're kind of putting it all together in this great package with a pretty bow. And you're kind of just shouting out to the world like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm looking for. And here's why I'm going to be a great addition to your team. Perfect. And I just want to touch on there. A lot of times what I hear that holds women back is not the skills because they've shown that women actually are more qualified than men a lot of times in their roles, but it's the confidence piece. Exactly. Putting yourself out there and knowing if you get rejected, it's not personal, keep going and bragging on yourself, showing. I know. I tell people, I'm like, I know it might feel uncomfortable, but trust me, your resume and an interview is like the one time that you really need to be like tooting your own horn and bragging on yourself. I mean, that's the time to really sell 
your experience, your, you know, your depth of knowledge, your skill set, whatever it is, that's the time to really bring it to the table and to speak in terms of your role and what you did and what you were responsible for and the results and the impact that you had. Because when you go with confidence and you can articulate all of that, I mean, it's, it's just powerful. And again, it's common sense, but so many people can't do that and they're not prepared to do that. And so if you go in and you can rock it, it's going to set you apart from the other candidates. Yeah. And if you're having trouble with that, that's where you need to do again, some inner work because right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Miss Catherine, tell us where everyone can find you. Yes. So you can follow me and connect with me on LinkedIn. I am Catherine Underwood. I believe I'm the only Catherine that spells her name K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E, last name Underwood. So connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear any questions or, you know, anything that you might have, message me and we can connect online. Catherine, thank you so much for doing this. I said in my email earlier this week that I'm used to having you as a friend and then a client and now as a podcast guest. I'm just the luckiest girl in the world. Thank you for doing this. Well, it is definitely mutual. I'm so excited to get to share this with you and with your audience. And I appreciate the time here. I really do. Well, we need to be thanking you. You gave us some major <laughs> greatness. So if, if y'all have any questions, please go find Catherine on LinkedIn. She is more than willing to help you out and make sure you can go rock your resume. All right, my friend, that is all I have for this week's episode. Did you hear a little doggy in the background? That was Catherine's dog, Addie, who was making a very brief appearance. Tried to edit it out as best I could, but... There it was. I hope you still enjoyed it regardless. Now, next time on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about confidence and how you can build your confidence because I am finding, as we talked about on this episode today, that so many women are holding themselves back because they don't feel like they have the confidence to go after what they want. And I'm over it. And I'm over it in myself too. So we're going to be talking through this together on the next episode. Join me. It'll be live on October 1st. Can you believe it's almost October 2019? Last reminder, I always say this, but yet I see the download numbers and I don't see the numbers changing as much for those that leave a review. If you are listening to the show and you have not left a review, please go do that. Otherwise, it just seems like a lot of times I'm putting this out into the world and I'm getting no feedback. So I would really appreciate if you go, especially on Apple Podcasts, and leave a five-star review and tell me a bit about what you love about the show. Honestly, those reviews mean so much to me and it only takes a few minutes to go do it. So please, please go leave a review. It would mean the world. All right, my friend, that's it for today. My little line I got to leave you with, and that is, you're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be, so believe in yourself. You got this.